0: Hi, just a couple of quick things here. I apologize. There is some background static noise during this interview, um, which I didn't catch when we were doing the interview. I've been trying, to, I tried to get rid of as much of it as I could, but I apologize. There's still some of that there. And I also want to let you know that in this interview, we do spoil the series finale of The Americans. So just wanted you to be warned about that. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing and this is our interview episode and I'm very excited to be interviewing Tiffany Smith who writes for the Game of Nerds which is a fandom magazine that covers all different, it's an internet based magazine that covers all different fandoms, music, TV, um, games, right? You guys do cover games as well, isn't that correct?
1: That is correct. Yes.
0: Yes. So it covers all aspects of fandom and she's one of the writers for them. So I'm very excited to have her on here. And you might recall that she was also on our Lord of the Rings episode. So um, Tiffany, if you want to give just a brief introduction and just a little bit about yourself and about how you came to write for the Game of Nerds and maybe even how that how that whole thing came about.
1: Sure, sure. Well, I'm Tiffany, and Erin was nice enough to invite me back on to It's a Fandom Thing. So happy to be back, Erin. Thanks for having me. Um, And I started writing for The Game of Nerds, I believe, about five and a half years ago. Uh, The way it came about was that a few Twitter folks, Twitter friends that I'd made, started actually writing for this new site that I was seeing. And I was like, hmm, this looks interesting. And they were live tweeting. This is when live tweeting was like a huge deal. Uh, not so much anymore, as you can see, everything kind of tapers down. There's just so much content out there that I don't think a lot of people have time anymore. But this was in 2014, 2015, when it was really popular. Um, where we all gathered, obviously, you and I had (laughs) a lot of experience with live tweeting the Mindy Project. Uh, So I was seeing that, and a couple of different friends, um, Hostie, she was actually covering the Mindy Project for the Game of Nerds, and Meg was covering Outlander for uh, TGON as well. And I was like, hmm, well, maybe I want to be involved with this. This sounds fun. So I got in contact. They gave me the information. I got in contact with our founder and CEO. Her name is Shannon Parola. Shout out to Shannon. She's great. And um, that's how it it started the ball rolling. Um, She gives us a lot of latitude with what we want to write, subjects that come up um, it's a very kind of loose structure in what we want to do. It just has to be something that will reach the people and that we know people will be interested in.
0: Cool. Cool. And then, um, about how many fandoms and uh, do you write for, like what shows do you cover?
1: This year I was covering, uh, two. I was, Covering The Good Place, and then I was also, and I'm still covering Superstore. Uh, the Good Place obviously had their series finale earlier this season. Uh, so right now I am just covering Superstore on a week-to-week basis. But on off weeks, like this week, um, I just kind of fill in with other things that I'm interested in. Um, so I am picked up Star Trek, um, not Star Trek, actually uh, Picard the, the oh, series that yeah. just, it just ended its uh, rookie season on CBS All Access. So I'll just do a two week series on Picard. And then I'll pick back up with Superstore when it comes back. Um, during the summer, it's a little bit more, I mean, honestly, television, and obviously with film, but television is pretty much a 12 a month cycle now. It's not like it was before where we know our shows ran from, you know, started in late September, or early October, and we were done in May. And then the dog days of summer, there was nothing. all <laughs> so it was all reruns and, and sports, right? Mm-hmm. But now um, you have a lot of different television that actually runs on those off schedules, especially um, basic cable channels like USA, uh, TNT, TBS, so there's a lot of shows that come up that, that run off of that summer schedule. So they pop up in April and, uh, and May premieres. And then they run all the way through like the end of August, the beginning of September. So there's content to pull from all year long. So I haven't decided yet what I'll cover in the summertime. Um, we'll see. We'll see what's available.
0: And it might even change with everything going on right now with the um, coronavirus exactly um, who knows what exactly. else will change with what's coming in the summer so
1: there might be some shows that have things that i've already um shot and are and already you know they're they have their episodes in the can uh but if they're not then that can definitely color what how we approach what we want to do there might be um things that we revisit uh favorite films um different, uh, subjects. I, I, with, with the virus being out there, I think, uh, one of our writers did a series on, um, viral (laughs) films, films (laughs) on viruses. You know, there's just a lot of, you know, there's like things like 28 days later and (laughs) 28 months late, 28 weeks later and, and all these other things that you can kind of cover, um, The Walking Dead or, uh, the, what it was, Dawn of The Walking Dead, you know, basically the whole George A. Romero series, Uh, So there's lots of different things, I guess, that we could put into place, but you're for sure right that it could definitely be a different scenario for us, for we writers, during the summertime and how we approach that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just, everything is so different right now. Everything is so weird and kind of up in the air. And I think especially for entertainment, because I mean, there's so many movies too, that were supposed to be released in the theater exactly. that are being delayed or, you know, and I think for the smaller movies, you might see some of those end up being just released to streaming. I don't know. Cause I, cause I know you, and do you cover movies? Do you write for some of the movies on the site or?
1: I, you know what, I have um, a couple of films I was able to see. I, I was able to go to a premiere or two. Um, the uh, Los Angeles County Museum of Art, LACMA, they have a. Uh, occasionally, they'll do film premieres at their site, and I've been lucky enough to go to those screenings, and then they have Q and A's afterwards. So I actually saw Blind Spotting there uh, a couple of years ago and they had um david diggs actually doing a q a afterwards and it was um moderated by barry jenkins so oh that was, yeah and rafael wow. casal was there as well so it was really exciting to see how their process uh how they approached everything um from a technical standpoint and a creative standpoint. So LACMA is really awesome in that regard because it's free. It's, it's first come first serve. So if you're, if you get in and you can line up, <laughs> you're in and, and you can get to see some really interesting things. I, um, the last one I went to was actually welcome to Marwin uh, with Steve Carell. Um, and that was, gosh, when was that? Uh, December that was, 2018, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That came out towards the end of the year of 2018. Yeah.
1: Right. So um, I did write about those two. Generally, uh, we have so many other writers that kind of take the movie of the week or the movie of the month. So I pretty much my content is usually on um, television overall.
0: Great, and then I want to throw out there if people haven't seen it, Blind Spotting is a really good movie. So, so good! <laughs> I out, if you haven't seen it, I believe I just looked it up that it's available right now on HBO. That's what it's saying on here, so I hope that's true. So I really recommend watching that. That's a little hidden movie that should have gotten a lot more attention.
1: It so, really should have. It really yeah. should have. I thought I thought DeV Dig should have gotten some. Um, award season love with his performance yeah. because it was it was truly truly awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, he was awesome. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: and that's so cool that Barry Jenkins was there. I'm jealous. No,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was it was basically like a who's who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Okay. Well, um, what? How has writing for TV shows? changed how you view them how you watch them has it changed do you have more more critical eye do you notice things you didn't notice before or
1: definitely the critical eye piece um, just the way I consume art has changed not that I wasn't paying attention to detail previously but now I'm trying to strip down dialogue to see how things fit from my own standpoint within my own head would could I could this have been written better Um, whereas I don't think I was doing that before. I think I was just looking at it and saying, huh, you know, that's okay. That's cool. But I wasn't really delving into it from, um, the more creative aspect. Uh, so it definitely has, has changed the way I approach how I view things. And I think it's just really opened me up also to, what I'm looking at. Not that I feel that I was only looking at a certain subset or a certain genre of things. I thought that I was pretty well-rounded with what I was watching, but I'm much more apt to look at something like a, like foreign film or (laughs) like a Swedish series or something. Uh, You know, I watched something that was a Swedish series the other day. I have to finish it. It's called Valhalla murders. Um, so things like that, things that I normally wouldn't kind of pop up on my radar, but now they are. And it's, and I think that comes from looking at what other people are looking at, looking at what other people are interested in and not just my own kind of narrow viewpoint.
0: Yeah, that's, that's cool. And that's a different way. I mean, I I know when I went to film school, that changed the way I viewed film entirely. Some of it was kind of unwelcome with the fact that I would watch film and have <laughs> more of a critique of it than being right. able to just kind of immerse myself. So there's a good and a bad to it. So I don't know, is, is there any kind of bad side to it at all? Yeah. You-
1: I think so, like exactly what you said, you know obviously i did I did not go to film school, but um just that that ability sometimes to not shut things off. And to just absorb and to just just watch it without feeling that, oh, I could make this better. (laughs) Or if it was shot this way, it would be better. Um, So in that piece, I think sometimes we have to turn off that internal dialogue in our own minds uh, to empower it down. To say, I just want to enjoy what I'm watching. And and that's that. that." Uh, Sometimes it's hard, I think, just when you have something that maybe is... uh, I find that with action films, I have a hard time doing that now. It's just so, and that could be from the things that we see behind the scenes. We get so much behind the scenes content now that we know what's not real <laughs> and what is real. So when they're shooting these things on um, on a sound stage with just you know the the green back um, with the green screen, it feels. Like it's not tangible anymore, and that's hard to uh, connect with, I think sometimes um I, I almost miss the days where we didn't know <laughs> we didn't yeah. know what was real and wasn't real uh, because i thought I think it makes it it kind of takes away the magic of the movie making experience a bit uh, that we do know so much now
0: yeah, yeah i I agree, I agree, yeah, it was and it was the same kind of thing when. Learning, like, you know, how screenplays are supposed to follow a certain structure and they're supposed to follow, like, the hero's journey and stuff like that. When you learn those things, it's hard because sometimes you'll be watching a movie and you go, okay, this is the mark when this is supposed to, oh, yep, it did happen. Yep, exactly. it did happen. Instead of like immersing yourself. So sometimes when you know that behind the scenes stuff, it can take away from the joy of it but it can also enhance it. I think like, like you said, you're, you're going, you're you know watching a Swedish show and you're, you know, enjoying other things you might not have beforehand, but now you are. And I, I think that's also, that's the blessing side of it. I think.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's um, it's, I guess it's a, it's it's six in one half dozen in another. <laughs> there's a, there's a give and there's a get uh, that comes with this in, I think it is more, it is more get than it is give. I feel like I'm getting more out of it than I am giving. So that's a, that is like you said, it's a blessing to do that and to receive it. Um, so I, I believe overall that it's helped me, um, in my consumption of art, just like I think in anything that it, the study of anything can help you get to where you're needing to go. Um, I, my husband has a saying that the <laughs> the destination, the journey is the destination. Um, so, you know, it's that path that we're taking. It's not necessarily where we're ending up, but it's the path. So. Shout out to the husband.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, that's a great saying. It is. That's that's great. Um, And just out of curiosity, when you are writing a show or writing a review of a show, an episode, how many times do you watch it before you write?
1: The shorter, the the half hour shows, you know, the sitcoms, like Superstore, I generally will only watch it the one time. Um, I don't write. When I'm watching it, because I don't retain it. If I'm writing while I'm watching, it just it doesn't stay in my mind. I'll miss something crucial. So I do watch it. And then I write after that. Um, When I was covering longer hour dramas or anything like that, uh, something like Picard, for example, I'll have to go back and rewatch so I'm probably watching it at least you know at least two times to make sure that I'm covering things that I that I'm not forgetting anything, uh, something crucial to the narrative, or um, finding out or or messing up someone's name that's happened before where I put something down and I'm like that does not look right (laughs) (laughs) and then I'll go back and I have the completely wrong name or I switch two characters Um, so generally speaking for an hour long drama I'll definitely watch it at least twice Uh, for the shorter shorter sitcoms probably just a half an hour the only exception to that was The Good Place because they had so much rapid fire uh, dialogue and um, and and narrative flow that I usually had to watch that at least two or three times to, to delve into everything. There was so much going on a lot of the times.
0: Yeah, that's very, very true of that show. And speaking of that show, I did want to mention um, your review of the series finale. Well, your article, just saying the things that you learned from The Good Place. Um, and I think what's so fascinating about that show is there's in our episode we just released about the good place we talk a lot about death and you know it's a sitcom but you're still talking about these deep things and i think that's what's so great about about uh, the article you wrote about that and also about a few other ones that i read that are for shows i've never even seen like the americans and gilmore girls um well i've seen a couple episodes of gilmore girls and outlander but what's interesting is you always seem to, in everything you write, or at least the ones that I've read, you seem to always connect whatever you're watching to your own emotions and to your own feelings, whether it be mentioning um, your children in um, the Americans article or in The Good Place, mentioning the things you've learned about about life um, and how fleeting life can be really and how right. you have to savor everything. Um, and so, is that is that a conscious choice that you try to ingrain some personal moment with your writing? Or
1: I feel like I do. Like I try to, and that's not that's not always the case with everything. A lot of times, with you know, with these recaps for Superstore, it's more than that. It's just really kind of that. It's a, it's a recap just so folks can catch up and, and see anything that they missed. So just a brief blurb about hey, this happened, this happened, this happened. Um, but with something as uh, as deep as the Americans, that series finale, uh, it just covered a gamut of emotions and it was about abandonment and it was about loss and it was about uh, loyalty and, and lack thereof, I should say. Um, And there is a scene where there's two scenes that actually stand out from that, uh, from that series finale where first off they then leave their youngest child. They make a conscious decision to leave him in the States while they run and they take the older child with them. And as as you said, as a mother, that horrified me. It I, I was absolutely horrified by that decision because not only do they leave him, they don't say goodbye. They they act like nothing is wrong and they just they get on a train and they head on out. Um And the the second portion of that was on the train, their older daughter decides not to come with them. And they're chugging along, uh, crossing the Canadian border, and she's on the platform. And the, the look on, I mean, I think we've all seen um, multiple movies and television shows that Carrie Russell has been in, and her face is so expressive, and she is a heck of an actress. And that scene, it her face is heartbreaking. Now, I'm just, I'm sitting up here and I'm mad because she's just left her son, and she, she didn't say goodbye, and then and in the blink of an eye 5 minutes later i'm almost in tears because she's almost in tears because her her daughter decides not to come with her uh and then writing that it was very um it was a real catharsis for me putting that out on paper and uh, or on i should say putting putting fingers to keyboard and 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 typing that out um Feeling what she was feeling, feeling that anger and feeling that sadness and that loneliness, and as a as a mom, I could feel everything almost that she was feeling. I felt like, and so I did connect with that immensely, deeply. (laughs) It was um, it was one of those things that that sticks with you. I think that that series finale sticks in my mind. It's like it's a year and a half after it happened, and it's still in my mind, like fresh.
0: Yeah, and, and I could tell that just from um, your writing, just, just from even the first line where you're talking about, um, or the first couple lines where you talk about compromise, compromised, um, and just the way it was written, I don't know, there was something about it that the word compromise has never to me seemed like an emotional word or right. something that would gel up in a lot of emotion, but it did just in reading that. And, and like I said, I've never seen the show, um, which I need to watch that show, but I've never seen the show. So, but even without having seen it, I could still picture, picture it in my head. And, um, so that's, so just, hats off to you, seriously, because a lot of times I think <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I think emotion can be missing sometimes in, in any kind of review or any kind of recap. And I know you said that it doesn't always happen. I mean, I can see that with Superstore, a show that I just recently binged. Um, so I'm so I'm a new fan to that show, so I can see with that show you wouldn't always have like a huge emotional thing to write right. about. <laughs>
1: it's, it's light and it's funny, and it, it yeah. you know the, the antics are going to to make you giggle and um, and just make kind of make you feel good because these yes. people are so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you know this this high end kind of Kmart environment, <laughs> yes. it's, it's kind of silly. So you know it, it's a more basic type of of writing style that goes into that. Um, But those more emotionally resonant uh, shows are going to, I think your writing has to reflect that. You have to set a tone. And I think I've done my job when someone like yourself, who's never seen The Americans, maybe my little article can can make you want to at least see it. You might not watch it, but <laughs> you'll say, hey, you know what? I'm going to try it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it it did make me um a lot more interested in it, I will say. I mean, I have been interested in watching it anyway. It's just that that made me a lot more interested in watching it than Yay. Um, <laughs> so definitely will be added to my list. This is a time to binge stuff. So oh, I Exactly.
1: Something. We have all of this free time, so let's get on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm re-watching the Mindy Project right now. And I'm at the point where I originally had- Getting close to the point where I'd stopped watching it originally, so I'm like, and,
1: okay, yeah, it's like it's time to power through. It's time to just get her. Got to add
0: something good
1: into the mix. So I might have to start
0: watching that. So cool. cool. Well, if you could, um, if there was any show, past or present, that you're not currently writing stuff about that you could write about, what would that show be
1: or show? I. <sighs> I really, really wished that I had um, written for Game of Thrones uh, in its heyday. Uh, And I'm not talking about the final two seasons because the final two seasons sucked giant monkey toes. And (laughs) I really hope that somewhere somehow that Benny often wise, hear me say that the last two seasons sucked a giant monkey toes because it did. <laughs> um, but I, you know, honestly, the, the first six seasons of that show were pretty much as good as you can get, I think with television. Um, and we have a, our, um, our resident uh Game of Thrones team. We had a rotating team actually that covered the show and they did an awesome job um, with it, especially over the last, um, those middle seasons that, I mean, the, the content was just outstanding. Um, so, but there were so, but there were like, I think three or four people actually covering it. So I didn't really, they didn't really need a, a fourth or a fifth. So that's why I didn't write for it. So I'm I'm kind of sad that I, I didn't get to write for it. Um I think currently I should I probably should have um should have started covering Star Trek Discovery um because it's so good. It's such a good show. And I covered um the before it premiered, I did the coverage for um comic-con 2018 i want to say uh so i did the coverage for that when they ran their panel uh and it, well i was so interested in it and then when it debuted i was like oh my goodness the show is so great it's it's everything that that a star trek that a star trek show should be it it carries on the legacy of like uh the new generation deep space nine it, it really, really ramps up the action. It's awesome. It is it is a, a really, really outstanding show. Definitely give it a watch if you haven't seen it. Uh, CBS All Access right now, I believe, is free. <laughs> so <laughs> now is the time to get on top of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and
0: when we do, because we will eventually do a Star Trek um, episode, it'll probably be a couple parts, but <laughs> we'll definitely have to have you on that one then because...
1: I am happy to join in. That is, you know, I mean, they they usually say we're split into two groups. There's the Trekkies and there's the Star Wars people. And I, I am definitely a Trekkie. I've never been a Star Wars person. Sorry. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just not my bag. It's just not my thing. But um but for sure, uh, I, I would be happy to to join in any type of Star Trek talk.
0: Yeah, awesome, awesome, cool. It'll probably be my guess would be probably next year, sometimes. So, yeah, cool, awesome. Um, and are and out of all the ones that you write for, all the fandoms you've covered, all the shows you've covered, I mean, what has been your favorite one to recap or to write about at all?
1: You know, the my most favorite time writing was a collaboration that I did with Hostie, Meg, and Sarah... Um, and these are all folks, if you all are wondering, I'm just throwing out these names and you all are like, huh, I've never heard of these people before, (laughs) or you have, you've heard of Meg, Meg. (laughs) she's good on the the podcast, but the other two, Hostie and Sarah, we were all, we all met through the Mindy project. Um, and we all used to interact like pretty much on a daily basis (laughs) and Aaron can attest to that. Um, so, and they also were a part of the game of nerds. Uh, Meg still is. Hostie and Sarah have moved on, but um, we actually did a collaboration on Gilmore Girls. The not the f- original series, but the Netflix uh, revival, which was called A Year in the Life. Uh, and we each took. There were the four episodes were split into seasons, so it was winter, spring, um, summer, and fall. So I took winter, which was the first episode. And I just thought it really worked the way we we collaborated on that. Um, we, we read each other's, we edited each other's um, uh, posts and really just kind of made little critiques here and there. Well, do you think this works? Do you think that works? What do you think you're going to add in? Uh, talked about dialogue. And it was really cohesive, even though there were four different writers on it. Uh, it just really, really was a fun time. And I thought it, it was one of the better articles that the site has ever produced, to be honest.
0: Yeah. And I, and I read yours, the winter one and that, and once again, that's a show that I've watched maybe one or two episodes of the very, 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 very first season,
1: Mm. um,
0: when it was originally on, um,
1: and I, a, to, and I was told <laughs> I <laughs> yeah,
0: yes, yes, and I was told to watch it because I was raised by a single mom, so I was told to watch it because of that oh, okay. um, yeah she's she's very different than her, but you know so still like very close relationship and stuff, um but but again, reading that, I still even though I am not as familiar with the show. I still was able to be drawn in and taken in. And so it was, and it's very interesting that you guys had four different people covering it when they have the four seasons. I think that's a really cool way to do it because then you get different perspectives for each season. And that's the way I would think each season would be covered in the show as well. would be different. So I think that's really cool that you guys did that that way.
1: Yeah. Each, each episode had such a different vibe to it. To, I mean, it really did. Um, you go from, you know, everything kind of being sort of bubbly and it breaks down in the middle two episodes. And then you get this, this sort of kind of resolution, but not quite. And, and it ended on a cliffhanger. That's the thing. And I I thought that Netflix might bring it back for, um, a second season, but I haven't heard anything about it because it it did end on a cliff cliffhanger. And I'm I'm still wondering <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> uh,
0: that's interesting. I, I wonder if there was a reason that they decided. I mean, it was very popular, wasn't it?
1: I thought so. I thought it got, you know how Netflix is. We don't get those hard numbers on what people are watching. They'll just state that um, this had the most views. And yeah. that could mean a bunch of different things because the same people could be watching things over and over. Uh, So it doesn't necessarily mean that like 10 million people are watching this, this, these two episodes. Um, So it's hard to quantify with Netflix, to be honest. Um, But I just think that popularity wise on streaming, it's um, it's so much different than the network shows. Um, But you, they should be given more latitude. Because it is streaming Because people have so much um, Content to actually view So there should be a lot more They should give things more of a chance When it is streaming
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree And that brings me to And this is kind of I know this is kind of a broad question It might be kind of hard to exactly answer But um, since you do cover a, a lot of television shows And I'm sure you're kind of familiar With the way television is right now And how streaming is such a big part of it um how what do you think the future holds do you think more things are just going to go straight to streaming um how do you think you know netflix and hulu and everything like that now that they're doing original content how do you think that's going to affect like broadcast stations and stuff i
1: you know honestly i think streaming is Making the impossible possible, (laughs) it's it's really allowing smaller studios and independent content creators to get their things seen, whereas before, even with you know basic cable, it it wasn't it just wasn't possible um, because even basic cable channels are owned by larger corporations. Um, So they, I mean, USA Network we think of it as basic cable, but it's owned by NBC and Comcast. so there's um there's always going to be the the bottom line with broadcasts. But with streaming, I think they're more interested in the cultural impact, I guess. And with that cultural impact comes, I think the the monetary comes after the fact. I, I look at something like stranger things, you know, Netflix put a ton of um of of backing behind that and then it just exploded from there and the popularity surged and and of course them having a, a great presence that, you know, you can see their writers on, on Twitter. They're very silly and they're very fun and they like to, um, they like to just poke fun at things and they always have like witty comebacks for people. So that's helpful. I think when you have writer's rooms that are in touch with the social media aspect. Um So it's making things, so streaming is definitely making it easier I think for things to get seen and to get written, um, and to get on air in some type of capacity, what that means for film and, and where we are like as of today, uh, with people with, with, like you said, big budget films, um, big studio films being pushed back and delayed, um, some of them indefinitely. I don't know. I don't know if more are going to take the chance to go on ahead and put things onto streaming because can they recoup they're not going to ever be able to recoup their their uh budget when they do that. If I spend two hundred million dollars on a on a film, making a film, I'm definitely not getting two hundred million back for people yeah. paying paying twelve ninety nine and sharing passwords. Yeah. <laughs> so so I and I think, you know, to be to be perfectly frank, sometimes you do want to see something on the big screen mm-hmm. with, with the IMAX sound and the, or the Dolby Digitals. You don't necessarily want to just always be at home and watching something on your on your TV. It's nice to do it sometimes, but sometimes you do want the, the theater experience. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how things, I think for television, though, it, it's a good thing. Because we're getting all of these things, for for people in the States, we're getting a lot of this content from Eastern Europe, from South Africa, from uh, the Nordic States, things that, you know, from um, from South Korea, things that we would never have gotten the chance to see before. So that's an awesome aspect of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And shows that you would, that would never get greenlit at a regular network television <laughs> get green right. it 's the same kind of thing with what I think happened with like h b o and Showtime when they started doing original content and you'd get you know the when the whole boom of cable and cables t- cable um original programming and stuff and how they were just pushing the boundaries and there was stuff on there that you would never in a million years see on network television.
1: Right. Um, right. And, I,
0: and I think that's always good because there's going to be, because there's needs to be more representation and you're not always going to get it, unfortunately um, from broadcast television. So if you can get it other places and also, like you said, seeing stuff from other countries that we don't get a chance to see is a big, big right. plus. And then the other little thing is also a lot of these streaming Channels have saved um, network television shows that got canceled, you know, like, mm. you know, like most recently, like um, Lucifer and then also the show You. Um, so those shows, well, You was more of basic cable, but still, you know, they saved those. And I think what happens a lot of times is when they end up going to streaming and you've got those shortened seasons, then you end up with tighter scripts, a tighter story, and better, better you know, not filmmaking, but better um, storytelling gets done all around. Yeah. So I think, I think streaming has been a blessing in that, that respect, but I do agree about film being a film geek myself. I'm really scared with this whole coronavirus that a lot of movie theaters might go out of business.
1: Um,
0: and that really terrifies me because I love seeing a movie on the big screen. There's nothing like that feeling. Or like when you go to, even Dolby and you feel, you know, you feel it in, in the, the, vibration.
1: Yeah, the <laughs> vibration.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it all, you know, and I also worry with this time with, I'm a big independent film geek. So I worry about the smaller indie films, you know, I was, mm. and this one's not as small, but I was really look, looking forward to promising young woman. And now I don't know, you know, if that's even going to get released or what's going right. to happen, you know, and all these little, little films. Um, you know, I was already worried about that with Disney because Disney taking everything over, so exactly. I was already worried about that. But yeah, so there's 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 the blessings and the not so blessings. So the blessing would be for those little independent movies is if they find a home on streaming platforms. You know, like you can find this the movies that I've I won't mention them because I've mentioned them enough on these episodes The little movies, uh, like Loose. Wait, I just mentioned it anyway, but
1: <laughs> okay, okay. okay. Like Aaron, like everybody watch lose everybody watches. it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm like okay okay everybody's like okay Erin we get it, um, <laughs> but but anyway but that that to me is hopeful that a lot of these you know, small, small, well, not small, but, you know, that a lot of the streaming services will take these smaller movies and give them more of a wider release. And since everybody streams everything now, pretty much, I mean, most people have cut the cord too. So, you know, so I think that helps in the long run with these smaller independent movies. So, you know, that might not find an audience. So absolutely.
1: absolutely. Mm hmm. And if, I, you never know uh, with with those smaller independent films finding landing homes on on streaming networks, what that can turn into. I'm, and I'm off the top of my head, I'm just thinking of Alfonso Cuaron's Roma. I'm, yeah, I I was blown away by that film, and it's like, huh, it's Netflix. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Netflix film, and Netflix has had some hit and misses with their with their actual studio backed the films. And Roma was one of those ones that just I it ticked off every box for me at least. I know some people didn't really care for it, but for me it it, it ticked off a lot of boxes. So I was I was very pleased with that. Um and I, I hope, like you said, I, I don't want the independent theaters to go by the wayside um because I think they're necessary. I think they're needed. Uh, they bring a voice to 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 things that we a lot of times wouldn't see. They yeah. give us fun little film festivals and, and and odd and weird content that that odd and weird folks like. And uh, it they're they're needed. There's a there's a place for them, and I, I'm nervous about that too, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and but they'll even be ones that even when we do have them don't necessarily get the crowd of course in the audience right. but that's but yeah i and i agree about roma i thought roma was absolutely beautiful and devastating too it was beautiful and then devastating on on, on another side as well and it was just gorgeous to look at
1: definitely, <laughs> I, definitely. I never would have thought i would say that about like a film filmed in black and white <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was it like you said it was devastating. It, it it really it really hit for me on on multiple levels. It it really did. So I, I went off on a tangent. I I apologize. <laughs> no,
0: no 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 no. You don't have to apologize at all. No, I think I think it's great that we got to talk about that stuff because I think it's important to talk about that stuff, especially right now. I mean, it's such a weird, weird time, but, and speaking of smaller independent movies um, that actually went on to do great things and win best picture parasite is streaming on Hulu, everybody. So (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't seen that one, that's another one that I'll just push on you there, but (laughs) okay. Well um, so you've told me a little bit about, about like the dream ones that you want to cover and what, what you might be, what you're covering now. Um, what is the future hold for game of the game of nerds in general, like as a whole, like, is there any changes coming or anything like that?
1: Um, I think hopefully when things start opening back up, um, you'll see that our convention coverage is going to be, um, there'll be more people on the ground at conventions. We've had several been covered uh, in the past Emerald city Comic Con and um, it used to be called San Jose Comic Con, but it's not called that anymore. They actually changed the name. It, it slips my mind, but we've always, our, um, our founder and CEO, Shannon has a really strong relationship with the, with the founders of that con. Uh, so we've always had a good presence there. So I think that that's one thing that we kind of set goals for is to have more presence at those I know San Diego Comic-Con is not going to happen. They don't give media credentials to smaller sites. Um, It's really only for the larger ones at this point in time. It's become extremely monetized and they're not interested if you don't have a set number of views to your site every week or every month. Um, So, we've tried to focus our attention on cons that want people that want coverage, um, that are, that, that like a personal, that like those personalized details. Uh, so, you know, we've kind of said poo poo kachu to, <laughs> to, to San Diego comic con and, and focus our attention on others. Um, hopefully more, more film festivals when they get back up and running, we'll have more boots on the ground for that. Um, so I think that that's and then taking more more fan requests on on things that they're that they want to see. Uh, this, this week's coverage we took because there's been a lull and uh, a lot of things are on hiatus for a couple of weeks. Um, there's been more about what people are wanting to see from us. So that's where Picard came up. Uh, they wanted to see reviews of of Picard's season. So that's why I'm taking that on while I have the time to do it. Uh, so probably just more more fan requests overall. Um, I think that's going to, to maintain, we'll maintain that over the course of the next year.
0: Great. Wonderful. And then for you personally, is there anything else you, as far as writing goes, is there any other aspirations you have with that, like outside of um, the game of nerds or anything that you're working on? Um,
1: you know, I I kind of sort of think that at times I would like to expand my role um, to to look at maybe writing for, uh, I'm a big Basketball fan, so and a huge. I, I, I'm a Laker for life, <laughs> so um, I i do have always enjoyed sp- sports journalism, but I believe that I'm too biased <laughs> to really do a good <laughs> job. <laughs> so that's the that's the dream, but I'm too. But I I have I'm way too much of the Lakers stand to do anything about it i think <laughs> so i know i'm just fooling myself with that going <laughs> seep into everything you wrote <laughs> exactly exactly um but i do i really you know i really really um admire sports journalism for sure uh the thing that comes to mind is um bill Simmons' big book of basketball i i read that cover to cover like it probably like two hours. I think it's a lot of fun. It's just, it's really witty and it's, um, and it's interesting. It's, it's facts. It's anecdotal. It's, um, it's personalized stories. It's, it, it's everything. I think that when you're writing about real life people and, and a real life sport, I think it's, that's the, what you want that's that's the type of content that you want to create um it, it's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite books that's that's like non-fiction um so if i if i had the time to do something like that i think i would want to do something like that um you know go kind of into that sports journalism type of field but or you know film critic that would be awesome that would be that would be totally great uh it's just, I think, finding time to actually do it when you you have full time job and and trying to to ba- work life balance overall. That's the key. Trying to find the time to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's always a hard hard thing to do. So on on that note, do would you have any advice that you would give to anybody who wanted to you know even delve into the game of nerds? Say anything like that? Is there any advice you'd give to any writers out there?
1: We're always looking for writers. So definitely hit us up. Um, You can connect with us via Twitter at the Game of Nerds. You can connect with us on Facebook. Also the Game of Nerds. We're on Instagram at the Game of Nerds. It's very easy. (laughs) Across all platforms, it's the game of nerds. <laughs> um, just reach out if there's anything that you're interested in. Um, our writers are covering just a gamut, not just television, not just film. They're covering gaming. They're covering, um, we have someone who is actually a an expert in furry, all thing furries. Oh, so wow. like furry conventions, furry merchandise, um, the latest and greatest in in the furry news world. It, I mean, so it runs the gamut between what people um are are interested in, what people's are their actual interests are, and what they're putting onto paper. Um, if you're interested in in doing interviews with writers, um, or you have connections with directors, editors, anything like that, it it, it kind of runs the mill. You kind of have free reign, or um. Our founder shannon is is always looking for things that are interesting and and that people are interested and in, passionate about so just just reach out and and give us a shout and it only takes one time to just start being a writer. just put something down and you're a writer hey <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's very true. It's just that whole just just go ahead and do it just
1: just do it just put <laughs> just write that first line and boom, you are a writer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating about the furries thing. Cause i i didn't i didn't i didn't realize that. I don't know if I saw that on the. It restaurant.
1: is a, yeah. It is a huge. I mean, there, it is a huge world. Like it is, a, it is a really, really popular. And I was, I, I was shocked when I found out about it. I was absolutely shocked. But there are people who are, I mean, who who really get into it, who are really, really interested about all things furry, and we have a resident expert on it. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. I think that's really cool though, because yeah, I would never think of that. So that's, that's really cool. Great. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany, for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's been really fun and interesting and um, learning, learning about a lot of things and talking about a lot of things and um, geeking out some too. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me again, Erin. I always love coming on, and I hope to 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 reach the audience again shortly. So, yeah, I again. do.
0: Too. I do too. I want to have you on one of our um, shows soon again. I I know you're down for a couple. I believe you're written down on a couple of ones that we have upcoming. So, hoping to have you on soon. So, okay. Well, if you want to just say goodbye and just tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Yes, you can find me. I'm at who is Tiff is me. And you can find me on Twitter most of the time. Um, if you want to reach out and connect, please do. Um, I am kind of on there pretty much throughout the day. The messages pop up. Just send me a shout, say hello. We can talk about whatever. Uh, I like jokes. I like cat videos, I like puppy videos, all of that. <laughs> and Occasionally you'll hear me say, what the heck just happened on some, some kind of TV show? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. please reach out at who is Tiff is me. <laughs> awesome.
0: Wonderful. And then we're also going to be linking the Game of Nerds in the show notes as well, just so everybody knows. So you'll have a quick link to go there too so great. Well, this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's it's a fandom, it's a fandom thing pod. Um, and if you would like to be interviewed for the show potentially, um, and like I've said before, you do not have to be female or female identifying. The only criteria that I have for you to be considered is you have to either be in an underrepresented group or you have to be doing something that's helping an under, underrepresented group get more representation in some way, or covering that, or something like that in any way. So, if you are interested in potentially being interviewed, feel free to reach out to me either on Facebook or you can email the show at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And remember, on the next show, we're going to be talking about Schitt's Creek. And so that should be a lot of fun. And then next week, we have a potential great interview lined up for Tuesday as well and then after that it will be the Mindy Project. So until next time remember it's a fandom thing. Step into the world of power, loyalty,